the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this, the second day of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thank you so very much for being with us as we launch such an extraordinarily important year together. We have a lot of work. My friend Larry Elder likes to begin his broadcast, as he always has, saying we've got a country to save. That has never been more true than it is Going into the year 2020, we have a country that is on the cusp of great things. As a matter of fact, we have a country that has already accomplished in the last calendar year and in the last three years in particular, some amazing things. We really are in a very, very good position going forward as long as we don't screw this up and abandon the leadership that we have, that we have to be thankful for over the course of the last three years, and to strengthen that leadership by giving more support to the legislative branch, to the con- which is, of course, the Congress of the United States of America. The year 2020 is the year that we cement the great gains that we have, that we lock them in for the future of futures to come. This is the time that we do that. We have a very, very direct choice here. We can continue the path of growth, prosperity, and security that we are on right now, or we can take a massive step backwards, a massive step backwards, a step toward insecurity, military drawdowns, economic sluggish, uh, sluggishness, if not outright recession, Job joblessness on the rise, and all of the other things that just routinely um, uh, accompany democratic leadership when they are in control 
of the United States of America. We have a very direct choice. 2020 is a very, you know, I don't want to sound uh, hyperbolic here, but it is clearly the most important year that we have in front of us that we have had for a very long time. Now, I can say that knowing that we said it going into 2016, a presidential election year, and so I can certainly, almost every election that comes by, we can say it's the most important election of your lifetime. This is the most important year of your lifetime. And each time we say it, it becomes more true. You know, when it was Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and those were the two choices, binary choices he had between uh, growth and positivity with President Trump and a continuation of the Obama sluggishness and an expansion of the government state, the big government-controlled state, uh, that we had uh, would have had with a third Obama uh, uh, term, which is of course what a Hillary Clinton term would have been. You know, it, it, it was the most important election of our lifetime. And now that Donald Trump is three years in, and they're so desperate to get rid of him because they can't beat him this coming November, doesn't that sound strange to say now that the calendar is flipped over? We are literally looking toward this year, toward November, as uh, the time that we reaffirm our commitment to the growth and the prosperity of the United States of America. But uh, it is it is just as important now as it was in 2016. In fact, it's more important now. He has been impeached in this. Uh, uh, well, he was impeached, of course, before the turn of the new year. But the Senate trial is going to be coming, we presume, at some point this year. And we know why. They are so desperate. They cannot beat him in November. They have to get rid of him beforehand, or they have to stain him as much as they can with a ridiculous trial, perhaps closer to the election, if that is what it will take to try to tip the balance in their favor. So uh, when I say 2020 is an extraordinarily important year, understand it is in every sense of the word. Let's get, Let's talk about an example. Over the course of the last two or three days, you have no doubt been paying attention to the attack on the American embassy in Baghdad, Iraq. You know right now that it's been the Shia Iranian militia-backed uh, individuals that have been behind that attack. You know that they stormed the embassy, they broke down a gate, they set some fires, and they attempted, according to those who were on the ground and on-the-spot interviewers, heard from them that they intended to spare no one inside. They would literally try to kill everyone inside. Now, what have you heard for the last two or three years? You have heard this is two or three days. I beg your pardon if I said years. My apologies. You have heard for the last two or three days breathless uh, liberal talk show hosts and liberal uh, news anchors, and sometimes they're one and the same, screaming, This is Trump's Benghazi. Look at Twitter. Trump's Benghazi is all over Twitter over the last two or three days. This is Trump's Benghazi. You said Trump was going to be able to secure our Americans. He's got a Benghazi now, and they're just jumping on this. And it's just about one of the most incredibly, unimaginably senseless takes that that one could even conceive of. Donald Trump's Benghazi? Donald Trump found out about an American embassy in trouble, and in, in trouble, instead of throwing up his hands and saying, <laughs> what difference does it make? Uh, uh, no, we don't need to send any more security forces there. He heard about an American embassy in trouble and did the exact opposite of what Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and President Barack Obama did in Benghazi in 2012. The exact opposite. He immediately sent forces 
He sent Marines. He sent America's very best and to make sure, and by the way, we had already gotten everybody evacuated other than military personnel. We had already gotten all uh, civilian uh, uh, personnel in that, that um, embassy in Baghdad evacuated. And when it was evacuated, we turned back the attackers because we had strong leadership in the White House. I bring this up, of course, to reinforce the point that I'm making about this being such an extraordinarily important year. Four years ago, well, three years ago, technically, when um, Hillary Clinton and President Trump were, were running, we talked about how if you had somebody as weak as Hillary Clinton, as incredibly weak and just shockingly careless, and I don't mean careless as in clumsy, you know, somebody does careless work. I mean, she couldn't care less about what was going on when Ambassador Chris Stevens was asking for more security for uh, the consulate in uh, uh, in uh, uh, Benghazi. She could not have been more, eh, no, no, no big deal, no, no worries. They kept hearing word on the streets. They had people outside. Uh, in Libya at the time, talking about this big uprising, talking about how restless things were getting and how dangerous it was for the, the individuals at that uh, consulate. And and what did they do? She just ignored the nu- numerous requests for additional security, and it resulted in a dead ambassador, Chris Stevens, and it resulted in uh, the death of... Uh, 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 for, uh, who were they? They were. I'm trying to remember their names. Sean Smith was one of them, foreign service officer, and then the two former Navy SEALs who died at Benghazi were Ty Woods and Glenn Doherty. Four lives lost. It, it absolutely did not have to be, but they were because of the inaction of Hillary Clinton. Now let's elevate her from Secretary of State in Benghazi, where she when she was uh, uh, when uh, uh, in 2012 when Benghazi happened to Commander in Chief. And she's forced to make the call here when, let's say, the Baghdad uh, American embassy in Iraq is being attacked. Do we want to go through that again? Fortunately, we didn't have to because the most important election of our lifetime in 2016, we chose this man. Well, I think it's been handled very well. The Marines came in. We had some uh, great warriors come in and do a fantastic job. And they were there instantaneously. As soon as we heard, uh, I use the word immediately. They came immediately. And uh, it's in great shape, as you know. This will not be a Benghazi. Benghazi should never have happened. This will never, ever be a Benghazi. But we have some of our greatest warriors there. They got in there very quickly. As soon as we saw there was a potential for problem, they got in, and there was no problem whatsoever. I also want to thank the Iraqi government. They really stepped up. I spoke to the prime minister today. I thanked him. Uh, But they stepped up very nicely. Strengthening our bond with the Iraqi government, which is extraordinarily important. We weren't sure what Iraq was going to do two days ago when we spoke on Monday. Uh, or three days ago, I guess. No, I'm sorry. It was Tuesday we talked about this. It was two days ago. Beg your pardon. But we weren't sure what the Iraqi government was going to do. You just heard from the president that they did indeed help and assist uh, the American military forces in protecting uh, the embassy there in Baghdad. And, of course, we all know now the crowds, the protesters, the attackers, they have dispersed. And they have moved on. Now, what will be done to present, prevent such a thing in the future? That is something that will be, will be important to follow as well. But for now, know that the left's pleading for Americans to die in Baghdad didn't happen. Let me say that again. The left was 
begging for dead Americans. You think I'm kidding? Go to Twitter. Go to the blue checkmark Twitter of American leftists and take a look at how many of them were praying for a Trump Benghazi. What is Benghazi? Dead Americans. Chris Stevens, Sean Smith, Ty Woods, Glenn Doherty. They know that that was hung around the neck, appropriately so, like an albatross, around the neck of Hillary Clinton when she ran in 2016. And it should have been, like I said, appropriately so. And they wanted to be able to hang a similar uh, um, albatross around the neck of Donald Trump going into this election in 2020. They were praying for dead Americans. They wanted this to be Benghazi 2.0. They would rather sacrifice American lives if it means scoring political points against Donald Trump than to have Donald Trump and our American military and our State Department work to effectively end the threat against our uh, embassy. Now, you just ponder that. Going into the November election, heck, going into the primaries that are coming up uh, very, very quickly, and you listen to the demon rats, and you listen to them talk about how Donald Trump's got to go and how Donald Trump has done this or that or the other thing to this country, I want you to consider, A, who is saying it, because the individuals that are saying it are the ones who wanted dead bodies in Baghdad. They wanted Americans to die so they could call this Trump's Benghazi. They tried their best to make this Trump's Benghazi. And then I want you to consider who their choices are. I want you to consider... Who would handle such a crisis in the future better? Who would handle all crises in the future better? Who would handle the economy better? I'm going to go into this in a lot of depth today. But, but just for now, understand this. The Baghdad situation could have become Benghazi-like. I, I started the show Tuesday on New Year's Eve. I started the show talking about how um, this reminds me of Benghazi because it's foreign soil and it's attackers. Uh, in that country, going after Americans and going at, well, technically, of course, an embassy is American soil, but it's in a foreign land. And it reminded me, and the question was going to be, how would we respond this time? And I remember uh, we played the reports. It was, it was this, you have to remember, remind me if it was Monday morning or Tuesday morning that we played the reports, the news reports of rubber bullets and uh, tear gas and other uh, smoke grenades or, mus- or, or noise grenades or things like that were, were used to disperse the crowds. And I said, if these people are trying to kill Americans, forget about rubber bullets and smoke grenades. Uh, use real bullets and real grenades. Do what you have to do to protect American lives. I remember saying that very distinctly just a couple of days ago because I did not want this to be another Benghazi. As it happens, of course, they did exactly what was necessary to make sure this was not another Benghazi, despite the best wishes of the American left. The best wishes, of course, meaning the worst wishes, because they were hoping for the worst. They were hoping for death. They were hoping for something that they can use against Donald Trump in 2020. They did not get it. All right, so there's a lot of ground to cover there. This was no Benghazi. There will be no Benghazi, and the reason why is because we didn't elect the woman who was responsible for the original Benghazi. We didn't elect her. 
And that's why we sit in so much better shape going into 2020 than we would have been. All right, it's 21 minutes after the hour. I invite you to join me this morning. We are guest-free until 10.10 when Dr. Everett Piper makes his first appearance of the new year on the program. So if you want to get on, dial now, 216-901-0945. Save that in your phone so I don't have to repeat it all the time, huh? 888-281-1110. Save that one, too. We'll put you on the radio coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Twenty-six now, the Bob France Authority. First time of 2020 that we are together. Thanks for being with us. So in 2012, we had Obama as president, Hillary Clinton as secretary of state. We got Benghazi and dead Americans. 2020, we and it started in 2019, of course, a couple of days ago, we have President Donald Trump and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. A very different outcome, a very different experience. Here's the Secretary of State. You saw the president say today, uh, we will continue to hold the Islamic Republic of Iran accountable uh, wherever we find their malign activity, and we'll make sure we have the resources to do so. I'll leave to the Department of Defense to talk about specifics, but make no mistake about what the guidance President Trump has given to both the State Department and the Department of Defense. It's to make sure that we have all that we need to perform the missions. I, I, I don't Kevin. care. I really don't care what your, your political affiliation is or your ideology is. You cannot even compare the two. I mean, seriously, Hillary Clinton let those people die. Hillary Clinton did not allow the security forces that were requested by Chris Stevens numerous times to be deployed to that uh, uh, consulate in uh, uh, Benghazi. And President Trump and Mike Pompeo are doing exactly the opposite. As soon as there was even a hint of trouble at the embassy in uh, Baghdad, um, swarms of American forces. And by the way, the president has 4,000 4,000 troops on standby right now to prepare for Middle East deployment. This is not something he wishes. As you know, President Trump has moved to bring uh, uh, American troops home from places like Syria, for example, claiming that ISIS is defeated. It's been a very contentious argument, obviously, about whether or not that's the right thing. But that's not the time for that argument, or this is not the time for that argument right now. The point is he's bringing troops home because he doesn't want so many of them over there. But when American lives are threatened, he immediately shifts that strategy and has 4,000 troops prepared to deploy to uh, Iraq if that is what is necessary, or to Iran, quite frankly, if that is what is necessary to preserve and protect American lives. Jim is in West Park on AM 1420, The Answer. First caller of the new year. Hello, Jim, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I want to make a comment about this Doug Weed's book, W-E-A-D, Doug Weed. It's called Inside Trump's White House. And in there, he's the author is asking Donald Trump Jr. about election night. And he said that the the most fascinating part of election night was this uh, Mark Geist, G-E-I-S-T. Mark Geist, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I think it's he Geist, saved, but that's okay. He saved 25 people that night in Benghazi. That team was held back at another compound for hours when they wanted to go help them. He said uh, he would not allow... He helped... Um, Donald Trump secure Pennsylvania. 
and he worked all year long to secure Pennsylvania. He said he would not allow uh, uh, her to her to win election uh, because it, it was so bad. He said, uh, "I'll never forget the statement as long as I live." So Mark East said, "Who's buddy? Buddy, we may be standing in in this." room waiting for CNN longer than she left us on the rooftop in Benghazi. They waited till 2 o'clock in the morning, CNN, to release Pennsylvania, and they already knew it at 8 o'clock. Okay, and so this is, this is some of the things that go on. Now I'm going to say a couple more things about this. Uh, Actually, Jim, we're going to have to save I those, my man. We're going to have to save the next couple because we're up against the news here at 930. But your point on both of those was made very well. You're talking, of course, when you say secure Pennsylvania, you mean, of course, electorally. And when you talk about that comparison to the rooftop, uh, that's exactly right. Mark Geist is an American hero. He absolutely was one of the warriors who fought and saved lives at Benghazi. Uh, and he was featured, of course, in uh, uh, 13 Hours, uh, which was, uh, you know, the amazing docudrama about what exactly happened at Benghazi and the fight to save American lives. He's a hero. And, yes, he was a supporter of Donald Trump's very early on, very early on, when the primaries on the Republican side were still going on, and he was not the nominee. He knew he, that would be the man to beat Hillary Clinton, and he could not, as he talked about, because of what Hillary Clinton allowed to happen at Benghazi. Uh, he did not want to allow her to become president. So thanks for the call, my, uh, Jim. I appreciate it. Mark Geist is a hero. we got more coming after the news. AM 1420, The Answer. The Answer. In many countries around the world, medical care is scarce. From birth defects to serious injuries and illnesses, countless millions have no access to safe surgery. Mercy Ships is there to help. With a team of volunteer professionals, nurses, surgeons, utilizing state-of-the-art hospital ships, Mercy Ships provides free surgeries for the thousands of those who are waiting for surgery at each port. Mercy Ships is bringing services to countries that would otherwise never be able to access those services. We just see people that need help. You realize that they have no way of getting help, and I want them to know that they're loved. Help make a lasting impact and turn someone's fear into joy. Find out how you can help. Uh oh. Got bad news for demon rats. Yeah. Uh, Julian Castro is the latest now. You might as well. Yeah. Julian Castro dropped out. Castro, the former U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. The only Latino presidential candidate who lamented the lack of diversity left on the Democratic primary stage when Kamala Harris dropped out and Cory Booker didn't qualify for the last debate. I'm so proud of the campaign we've run together, he said in a video the campaign released this morning. We've shaped the conversation. By the way, why wouldn't you be proud? You never pulled it more than a percent and a half, I think. I might be generous there. I don't know if you ever actually got past 1%, Julian Castro. Yeah, uh, 1% to 2%. That used to be Dennis Kucinich territory. How many times did uh, former Cleveland Mayor Dennis Kucinich run for president? 
Every time he ran, I, I gave him a nickname. I called him Captain Homogenized because he reminded me of milk. He's, uh, he was always 1% or 2%. That's it. Never got more. Never got more, and that's Julian Castro, too. But he's proud of the campaign that he ran, in which he never got more than a fleeting notice from anybody. We've shaped the conversation, he says, on so many important issues in this race, stood up for the most vulnerable people, and given a voice to those who are often forgotten, he says, or said. But... With only a month until the Iowa caucuses, and given the circumstances of this campaign. Yeah. I have determined that it simply isn't our time. No. Stop. Stop. (laughs) I'm having way too much fun with this. I can't wait until there's actually a nominee. And Warren or Biden or Sanders or whoever, they all have to have speeches like this. Eventually, they all bite the dust. Actually, the best one is going to be, truthfully, when one of these nimrods wins the uh, nomination and loses in November and has to give a concession speech, that's when I come on the air with another one bites the dust, the final one. When the final one bites the dust, that's when we'll have the most fun with this. Um, so today is with a, it's not simply not your time, Julian. You're, you're, by saying it's not our time, you're suggesting that yours, there will be a time for you. That your time is, is just not yet here. But there will be a time. This just isn't your time. No, it will never be your time. You have absolutely nothing to offer the American people. Nothing. Except liberal, socialist, the same, you know, I mean, you're, you, you guys all run together. I mean, truthfully, whether it's Julian Castro who tried to play up his Hispanic uh, 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 ethnicity, of course, as a reason to keep him around because of the uh, we got to have more diversity and more color on the stage, blah blah blah. But your your ideas are the same as Sanders, and they're the same as as Booker's and Harris's and just about everybody else on there. You're not unique. Uh, it simply isn't our time, so it's today with a heavy heart. With profound gratitude, I will suspend my campaign for president. You never had a campaign for, for president. I had as much chance of winning as you did. As a Democrat, <laughs> to all who have been inspired by our campaign, none. Uh, especially our young people. Keep reaching for your dreams. Keep fighting for what you believe in. Uh, all right, a little Casey Kasem action there to end it. Keep your feet on the ground to keep reaching for the stars, Julian. You're never going to reach them. All right, so another one has bitten the dust, and we all know that it's going to come down to one of probably four. Uh, you know, they're going to keep dropping off like this. Bloomberg has no chance at all. Um, uh, neither does Steyer, and, and neither does um, Booker if he's st- still hanging around. It, this is really going to come down to Biden, Sanders, Warren, and Buttigieg, and th- there's nobody that really doubts that. So each time one of these makes these announcements, we'll have fun with it, but um, in truth, they were never real, really serious candidates anyway. Mark is calling us from Fairview Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, Mark. Go right ahead. Morning, Bob. Just had a couple of things I wanted to comment on, not totally related to what was going on in uh, Iraq, but uh, it was at Giant Eagle last night. You know, we had this blue bag ban. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you one thing what a debacle. People are there, they take all the bags away and everything, and hey, I, I put some of my groceries away. I left. I had to put a couple cans of corn in my coat pockets and get the hell out of there, you know? <laughs> but it's, uh, I, 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 you know. Make sure you save I, your receipts so nobody thinks you lifted them. Oh, it's, it, it was, you, you had to be there to appreciate it, you know. It, uh, but anyhow, I guess somebody, whoever enacted this legislation, I hope they feel good, you know. But uh, 
the uh, but you know, one time before I sat down, and told you how I take, I, I keep an eye on these temperatures and you know temperatures we have now that are considered so high. You look back in the eighteen hundreds and you'll find the same temperatures pop up. You know, and uh, you know, I, I I pay attention to a lot of this stuff. And I heard that I, when they started on this blue bag thing, you know, I watch along the highway and everything else, and. You know, I could I could point out intersections where you get off the highway, where if you'd see the debris and and the inches of cigarette butts and the trash, I fail to find out where these blue bags are a problem. I work at a, a dog, uh, uh, an animal rescue fund, and uh, you know there we use tons of those bags. You know, if we sure. don't have those bags, and even in my own house, I use them to put garbage and everything. If we don't have those bags then we're reduced to these silly things that you get in the produce market that you can't even open up. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar. No, yeah, I know so, what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. But anyhow. Which are know, also it, plastic, it, by the way. Are they Are they, Are they? they eliminating those? I don't know. But, you think know, about it. The, 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 the clear plastic bags that you pull off the roll in the um, produce or in the meat department so that, you know, if you have meat that's, uh, you know, you want to make sure it doesn't drip anything uh, mm-hmm. and, and put produce in. Those are the same doggone plastic, as far as I know, anyway, that the blue bags are that you get at the checkout. So they banned the blue bag. Did they ban the produce bags as well? I, I really would like to know that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I always have problems with those anyhow. I, I'm still trying to figure out how to open up those darn things, you know. Uh, most of them, they print uh, the air on, and I'll open up this end, you know, because you end up pull, pull, trying to pull apart the wrong end for a couple of minutes before you do that. Oh. No, I, I'm very serious. I Pathetic. don't know the answer to that. Were those banned as well? Anybody who goes shopping today, mm-hmm. if you go grocery shopping today uh, in Cuyahoga County, let me know if... Um, uh, if you can use those those clear plastic bags in the produce and in the meat departments that they offer you for convenience okay. to kind of group your apples or your onions or your whatever <laughs> that you're buying. I want to know if those are banned or not, because if they're not, then the hypocrisy of this thing is just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. One other thing I just wanted to quick touch on is I was at a doctor's office the other day, and I opened up this Ohio or Cleveland magazine, and they, you know, guess who? They got John Kasich on there, his new book, Come Together, you know. Yeah. And it's a tip for the little ways we can bring uh, cooperation and uh, big change and, you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, he goes on, he's got his various maxims, love thy neighbor and put yourself in someone's shoes and also inspiring stories about, like, a Greta uh, Thunberg and, uh, you know, it's just, the, the guy's pathetic. You know, it's like he's trying to rewrite the Ten Commandments. He's yesterday's news, Mark. I mean, you know, you're, yeah. you're giving him what he wants. He wants attention, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't deserve it. He's going to probably try to primary President Trump. He'll do it late uh, to try to give Never Trump or somebody to rally behind, and so he needs attention. Don't give it to him. I'm not looking yeah. at his book, and I'm not going to promote his book, and I'm yeah. not going to give him any more attention than he deserves. He's, uh, yeah, he's the guy's a, out there, he wants to teach us all to, like, sing Kumbaya. Well, that's good. Tell that to Nancy Pelosi and the uh, Penguin. And Nadler, you know, but the guy is just like a child. If he didn't get his way, Mark, you're letting him win. You're letting him win. You're letting him win. He's he's living in your head, rent (laughs) rent free right now, man. Don't don't give him that space. Don't give him that space. (laughs) Ignore Mark. John Kasich as is as relevant right now uh, as as I I don't know. uh, Pick somebody who's irrelevant. I mean, seriously, he's about as relevant as Jim Carrey is to Hollywood, which is which is to say not uh, because he's gone off his rocker. Uh, Thank you, Mark, for the phone call. No, don't give John Kasich, whose relevance to uh, to me right now is gone. The only time he'll be relevant again is if he. He does decide to run so that he can be embarrassed by Donald Trump yet again. He was embarrassed by the fact that he couldn't beat him in the debates and in the primaries. Then he was even embarrassed even more when he refused to show up at the nominating convention held in his own state, in his own city, or well, his own state, and in Cleveland. 
Uh, John Kasich's uh, time, his 15 minutes are, go- are up. They have passed. By the way, I'm informed by our own David Sprouse that they are trying to phase them out by summer. Talking about the clear bags at the produce and meat departments. Uh, it was in a news report earlier this morning. I didn't hear that. Uh, I'm going to have to hear it again. What does that mean, though? Trying to phase them out. Have they been banned or not? The blue bag ban, the checkout bag or whatever, um, this was passed back in May, if you recall. Now I can say of last year. Um, and it went into effect yesterday on January 1st, 2020. It's a ban. It's, they're not allowed to be anymore. Now we're saying they're phasing out the other bags by, by summer? What does that mean, phasing them? I legitimately don't know. Are they banned also? Or is this just something they're going to try to add on uh, without it being written in the letter of the law? Uh, I do not know. Let me say this. What they are going to do, especially to poor people with these bags, with these bans, is simply unconscionable. What they are going to do, especially to smaller grocers, you know, the giant eagles of the world. Uh, the you know massive companies with plenty of different locations and so on and so forth are probably going to be okay. They can absorb this, but smaller grocers in in uh, impoverished neighborhoods truly are going to be feeling a, a big hit from this because people are going to stop going to these places. Um, they're going to go to convenience stores. Um, I, I feel like this is just a big big mess waiting to happen. Uh, if they're charging people for bags, which is what the new thing is, it's a plastic bag ban, and if, if you and if, they, if you want to use them, you have to buy them or something to that effect. And I don't have all the specifics on it, but I will just tell you this. People aren't going to be going out there and, as the caller just said, carrying their groceries home in their shirts. They're not going to just kind of you know make their 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 uh, clothing their their bags, and they're not going to bring in their own bags, and they don't want to pay extra money for other bags. The people, are, the consumers are going to are going to suffer from this, and they're not going to grocery stores, as you may or may not know, operate on probably the thinnest margin in all of retail sales. You know, groceries, groceries are not a big profit margin. They make their money by volume. The revenue comes from volume because the amount of uh, money that they make, the profit that they make per item, is very, very scant. So it's about selling a ton of the items. And if people aren't going to go and buy a ton of items, or they're going to buy less because they don't have bags to carry stuff in, it's going to hurt the grocers. So the people are hurt, the grocers are hurt, and it's all for a big pile of crap. This nonsense about we are destroying the planet. These same complete simpletons are the ones who told us 25 years ago to stop using paper bags for groceries because we're cutting down too many trees to make paper bags. We gotta use plastic. That doesn't harm trees. And now, because of the ridiculous climate change agenda, oh, we can't use plastics. Plastics are, are not biodegradable. And that's, that's what's killing our planet. It's contributing to global warming. It is just so much ridiculous. Now it's clogging up our landfills. Do you know that those plastic bags that we use at grocery stores are already recycled by probably 90% of America? By recycled, I mean, we use them for many other things. We use them as trash bags, so we don't have to buy more trash bags for our small garbage cans, whether it be in our offices or our homes. We use them when we walk our dogs to pick up after our dogs. 
We reuse them and recycle them in, in our house. We got cats in the house. We scoop the, the, the litter into, you know, the, uh, use litter into the, these bags and tie them up tight and throw them into the garbage can. We reuse them and recycle them all the time. We all do. I mean, those plastic bags are of great use in a lot of different ways. And now they're going to get rid of them. What are we going to clean up after our dogs with when we're walking our dogs? What are we going to use for all these different things? And I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to, if we can afford it, we're going to buy small plastic bags. Ah! Ding, ding, ding. You're not helping anybody. But try telling that to the mental midgets on the Cuyahoga County Council. Jack Schron, Mike Gallagher, and Nan Baker, I remember when this thing passed last year, the only ones who voted against this, they're the only ones that had the sense that I'm talking about right now uh, to say, this is, this is ridiculous, we can't do this. But it was sponsored by, of course, drumroll please, shock of all shocks, all of the demon rats on the uh, council. Sonny Simon, Dale Miller, Dan Brady, Pernell Jones Jr., Chantel Brown, Cheryl Stevens all sponsored it. It was an 8-3 to three vote. The three Republicans said no. The eight uh, simpletons uh, said yes, and away we go. So there you go. Thanks, Mark, for the call. Uh, let's go back to, I know I went a little longer on that than I wanted to, but I, I've been reading about that ban. I knew it was coming starting yesterday. I wasn't sure what it was going to happen with the produce bags, but they're just so stupid. I mean, honestly, what do they expect people to do? Pay for paper bags? Is that the deal? Plastic bags are banned, and if you want to use paper ones, you got to pay extra for them. That's a great way to take care of the poor people in the community. Charge them more to be able to carry their groceries out. Unbelievable. Um, all right, it's 9.51, so I guess i got to get a time out here. We'll come back to more calls right after this, AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to read a quick email. I don't often check email during the show, as we have advanced to so many other ways of instantaneous contact with radio shows. But Ken in LaGrange Township, good man, very good man, uh, and uh, very loyal, dedicated American veteran, uh, prefers to email. So I just found his, and here it is, uh, going back to what I talked about in uh, segment one. Good morning, Bob. Benghazi lasted 13 hours. Sigonella Naval Air Station is about 470 miles away. Sigonella is a joint base with the Italians. 470 miles can be traversed in about one hour at Mach 1. Aviano is about 1,000 miles away, and that trip can be made in about two hours, again at Mach 1. Refueling comes into play with both. We have been told that there was no stand-down order given and that there was no go order given. Both amount to the same thing. No help was given, and four kids died. The CIA answers to the executive branch, so we can assume that both Clinton and Al Obama were responsible for the deaths of of those people. He says CIA. I'm assuming he meant to say the the, uh, uh, Department of State. I assume, because Hillary ran the Department of State. Um. I guess the gun-running operation was more important than the lives of American citizens. If there was anything that I want to see happen, it's to see Clinton and Alabama in prison for those crimes. God bless President Trump and his resolve. Thank you, Kenny, in LaGrange Township. I appreciate it, Kenny. God bless. Carol, in Bedford. Hi, Carol. Go right ahead. Hi. You know, when the government made us go to the plastic bags, you know, when you had the paper, you could go to the store and you get two paper bags. 
And now with the plastic, we were getting eight or nine because they would have to double the bags if you bought two liter bottles of pop and that. Sure. So it was a complete ridiculous thing what they did to us. And now we're going back to paper. I mean, yeah, stupid. and you have to pay for the paper. You're only going back to the paper if you if you can pay for them. Otherwise, you're going to have to bring your own burlap sacks or something to carry your groceries home. And Carol, and that's the silliness of it all. Thank you, dear, for the call. Let's go to uh, Lakewood and Bill. Hi, Bill. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, Bill Lakewood, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Bill Lakewood. What's going on? No, Bill with a P. <laughs> oh, oh, Phil. Phil and Lakewood. Okay, sorry, my man. Sorry. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Biggie. Okay, what's I, mean, up? I was at Giant Eagle yesterday, and I had to buy a brown bag yesterday when I was in line because uh, they, they they got rid of the blue bags. Well, right. I didn't buy that brown bag for me. It was some elderly woman ahead of me who was totally confused, and she's trying to you know figure out what she's going to do with her groceries because there's no blue bags. And the lady at the register said, well, you have to buy a brown bag. And I, in order to get things moving, I said, hey, you know, well, if you don't have 10 cents or whatever it costs, I'll pay for it. It ended up being 10 cents, you know. But, you know, getting to what you were saying earlier about whether the question you had, whether or not they, they were still using plastic bags and, and the uh, but, uh, uh, produce. Yeah, the, the clear produce, ones, right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, they are. As a matter of fact, I called them in the morning just to make sure that they were. And <laughs> the lady uh, who I talked to, a giant eagle, I said, I can't believe you guys are filling the blue bags. How ridiculous. She just started laughing because I can't believe it either. <laughs> yeah, well, they don't want to do it. I mean, they, they, they know. Uh, and, and, Phil, thanks for yeah. the call, my man. They they know better than that. The uh, the grocers, uh, the workers, and, again, obviously the consumers, the only ones who don't know are the politicians. You know, the, the, the Democrat politicians in charge of Cuyahoga County, just like the ones in charge of the city of Cleveland, are no different than the ones uh, in charge of, uh, you know, our Congress and other things. They absolutely have no earthly way to connect to the real American people. They do. They're so out of touch, and they think this is actually what the people want, and it's why they're going to lose again thanks for the call by the way for anybody wondering about phil i haven't heard from phil in a long time phil doesn't call often because it's hard for him to speak for those who are wondering uh his delivery is impaired by the fact that he had a portion of his tongue surgically removed uh, for i can't recall to be honest with you he told me a long time ago what it was but he had to have part of his tongue removed and uh so it's hard for him to enunciate as clearly as you or i might but he's a very good man and a very nice guy and uh, and i do uh, i do enjoy it when he calls i just want people to understand when you hear him there's a reason he sounds the way that he does Phil, God bless and Happy New Year, my friend. All right, uh, if you're on hold, stay there, but I am going to have to ask you to hold on. Or you want to call back, that's okay, too. But it is 10 o'clock in news time, and Dr. Everett Piper makes his first appearance of 2020 next. on Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.